And gracious God, I pray now that uh, as my words line up with your words, that they would fall on ears and hearts ready to receive them and respond. And God, I pray that if I say anything that isn't from you, that those words would quickly be forgotten. Most of all, I pray that we would leave this place different people than we were when we walked in because of your work in and among us. And it's through Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning to those of you joining online. My name is Mike, and I'm one of the priests here at Truro. And I'd like to invite you this morning, if you have a Bible, to flip to Matthew chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, no worries. There are Bibles in your pews. Uh, You can grab one of those. You can find Matthew 2 on page 808 in your pew Bibles. Now, last week, Mary noted that God's plan is indeed a plan. It's not a haphazard response to circumstances beyond his control. And it's a plan that invites us to participate. These themes continue and expand this week as we celebrate Epiphany. Now, Epiphany was actually this past Thursday, 12 days after Christmas, but we're celebrating it today, the first Sunday after Epiphany together. Now, Epiphany is the day in the church calendar, the church holiday, when we remember the wise men who followed a star from somewhere in the east, scholars think maybe Persia, to Jerusalem, and then to Bethlehem, where they met Christ, bringing him gifts. And we remember that journey at Epiphany, but even more than that, in the church calendar this season, we remember that God sent a light to the nations, to all people, to people near and to people far. So that's what we're going to be talking about a bit this morning. Now, for those of you who like to know where we're going, the planners among us, this morning we're going to keep it simple and straightforward and practical. So we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to see first, what does this text tell us about God? Second, what does it teach us about us humans? And third, what it teaches us about how we might respond in faith to God. So let's dive in. First, what does the text tell us about God? Now, in order to understand a bit about what Matthew is trying to tell us here about God and his plan, we need to talk for just a second about the people that the ESV, the translation that's in your pews that I'm using, um, describes as wise men, all right? Matthew writes, starting in verse 1 of chapter 2, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Wait, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The Greek word translated here is magos, literally pagan magi, sorcerers, astronomers. These are not just wise men, but they're men who practice astrological divination, a practice explicitly forbidden in the Old Testament, both in Deuteronomy and Isaiah. They look to the stars to give meaning to their lives in the present. In other words, these quote-unquote wise men are foreign pagans, practicing a spirituality that is in direct conflict 
to God's revealed will. And yet, they're guided by a star to Jerusalem. They find their way to Bethlehem. They worship at the feet of Jesus. And they hear directly from God via dream about how they are to return home. These foreign pagans follow a light that leads them to the light. They're the unlikeliest of people to be drawn to Jesus, and yet here they are, extraordinarily invited into God's plan and into relationship with Jesus. Now, what does this tell us about God? Well, he invites the most unexpected of people to know him. Not only that, but he invites people from every background, culture, and ethnicity to follow him. He invites the far away, the down and out, the lost and the unexpected into relationship with him, no matter how far away from him they may seem. In the kingdom of God, there are no lost causes. And in doing so, God shows that his plan is far bigger and far wider than we might expect. It's a plan that includes the nations. And he invites you and he invites me. No matter where we have come from, no matter how far away he seems to us this morning, into a relationship with him. That's what it teaches us about God. Second, what does the text tell us about us? This particular story highlights two groups of people. Do you see it? First, the Magi, who start the story quite literally far from Jesus. And second, we see this if you look down at verse 3. We've got King Herod and all of Jerusalem involved in the story. And then in verse 4, we've got the high priests and the scribes. These are spiritual insiders who live just six miles down the road from Bethlehem. They're Jesus' countrymen, God's people who knew the scriptures. They worshipped in the temple. Some of them even were looking for the Messiah. Now, what do you notice about the way these two groups of people respond to the news of a Messiah? Those who are far from Jesus who don't know the traditions of the people of God, the spiritual outsiders, they go seeking him. They look for him. They go on a journey in order to find him. And they do. Meanwhile, the spiritual insiders, those in close proximity to Jesus, the ones who likely considered themselves close to God, they miss it. The text tells us that Jerusalem was troubled by the news. Herod himself sent the Magi in his stead. He couldn't be bothered with a six-mile journey or run the risk of legitimizing a so-called Messiah. And the high priests and the scribes, well, they know the answer to the Magi's question about the Messiah in verse 5. They know what they're looking for and what to expect, but the text doesn't say anything about them journeying either with the wise men or on their own to seek Jesus. So here's what I think maybe Matthew is trying to tell us about us humans and our relationship with God. You can be far from God 
and still take steps of faith towards him. And he will meet you in that journey no matter how far away you are. Likewise, you can think yourself close to God and still be moving away from him altogether or be indifferent to him treading water. Just because you're in doesn't mean you're actually moving closer to Jesus. Maybe you find yourself like that this January. You're a Christian. You're in. You've braved the elements in COVID to be sitting in a church on a Sunday morning, or you've signed into YouTube and you're watching online. You're, you're in, but maybe you're not sure that you're actually moving closer to Jesus. Well, fortunately for us, this text is awfully straightforward. It invites us, no matter how far away or close we might be to Jesus today, to take steps of faith towards him. And it even gives us five clear examples, what do you know, of what that might look like. Five steps of faith that encourage us, as James writes in his letter, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so, as we look at these this morning, I'd like to encourage you to ask God, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, God, what is one step of faith you're inviting me to take today, this week, in response to you? First, seek. First, seek. The Magi aren't content with what they know, but they see something strange in the sky and they go looking. They embark on a journey seeking the truth. They leave their comfort zones. They're curious. When they get to Jerusalem and they don't know the next step, they ask questions. They pay attention. It's one of the things I love about this story. It describes a journey. The Magi, they don't know where they're going. They don't even always know what the right next step is. But they keep looking. They keep asking questions. They stay curious, and in doing so, they keep taking steps of faith towards Jesus. They get closer and closer. Maybe you've stopped seeking or wrestling with God. Maybe he seems or has seemed awfully far away. If so, perhaps the right next step for you this week is to commit to seeking Jesus for the first time or for the first time in a while, to get curious, to read and learn and ask questions, to look for Jesus just as the Magi did. First step of faith the Magi take is they seek. Second, we see in verse 11, the Magi have their encounter with Jesus Matthew writes, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and what do they do? They fell down and worshipped him. Worship, for the Magi, is the right next step of faith in their journey. After all, their seeking, their questions, their curiosity, they finally encounter Jesus, and they cannot help but worship. Now, we often do this by singing, and that's definitely one of the best ways to worship. 
But at its core, worshiping God is about giving him his due. That's what the Magi are doing here. They're honoring Jesus as he is worthy of being honored by falling down before him. Do you see this? They praise him with their bodies. They fall at his feet, their postures, and in doing so, declare Jesus worthy to be praised. Perhaps this is a step of faith towards Jesus God is inviting you to take today, to worship. Maybe it means singing out loud for the first time or singing with gusto without worrying what those around you might think. My wife and I, we had friends when we lived in San Diego at our church, um, and the husband played on our worship team, and he was a violinist, and he was, he was a really gifted violinist. He didn't need notes or music. He knew exactly what to play, when to play it, to add just the right bit to our worship together. And his wife didn't have a musical bone in her body. She couldn't sing on pitch for the life of her. And every once in a while, my friend, the husband, would, while they were singing, would kind of nudge her and smile and laugh. And she would look at him and retort, God loves my singing as much as he loves your violin playing. And she's right. Maybe the right next step of faith for you, maybe you have a terrible voice. And it means this morning singing with gusto. I mean, the masks make it harder here anyway. But not caring what those around you might think. Maybe, maybe it means worshiping with your body like the Magi do. I know this can leave us feeling self-conscious at times, but maybe it means like moving your hands from here to here. Or, or maybe even if you get a little crazy up to here. Maybe it means when we come to our time of prayer together, not just sitting, but actually dropping that kneeler and kneeling, taking a step of faith and worship God with your body. Maybe it means starting each day this week in prayer, telling God why he is worthy of worship. A couple years ago, my wife did this. Every night before bed, she'd write five things in a journal, that just a note on her phone, what she was thankful for. And it oriented her heart towards God and worship. Maybe it means this week putting worship music on in the car when you drive to work and singing with gusto when nobody can hear you. I'm starting your day like that. Friends, for some of you, worship is the right next step of faith. Third, the Magi give. This is the part of the story we're most familiar with, right? The gifts the Magi give Jesus of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Just as an aside, it's the reason why many assume there were three Magi while we sing, we three kings of Orientar. The text doesn't tell us how many there actually were, but there are three named gifts. And so we assume three Magi, just a little aside there. And there's loads that could be said about these gifts. They are rich in significance. But this morning, I'd like to just observe and state the obvious, if it's okay. The Magi, they fall down at Jesus' feet and they worship him. And then they give him gifts. They respond by giving. They've sought him. They've worshiped him. The right next step for them is to give. 
Now, there's no doubt these are valuable gifts. They are gifts worthy of a king. These aren't leftovers. They're not re-gifting some sweater or board game they received and know they'll never wear or use, right? These are generous gifts, gifts that cost something. For some of us here today, giving generously might be the right next step you need to take to move towards Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, I read in Christianity Today that only 8% of evangelicals give 10% or more of their income to the church, while 26% give nothing or close to nothing, and 42% give less than 2%. That means 68% of self-described evangelicals give 2% or less of their income to the church. Now, I know for many of us, our situations and giving can be complicated, and this is by no means meant to be a guilt trip. But perhaps this year, the step of faith God is calling you to take towards him is to be even more generous in your giving in response to all that God has given you. Fourth, look at this, the Magi listen. Verse 12, Matthew writes, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Listening isn't exactly easy these days. There is so much noise that it's hard to hear anyone, much less hear God, who often speaks quietly and seems to prioritize silence. And yet, after seeking, worshiping, and giving, the right next step of faith for the Magi is to listen to God's voice. Not just to follow a sign or to go where Herod suggests, but to listen for the voice of God's, a voice of God. And friends, God does still speak today if we pay attention. Perhaps this is a step of faith God is inviting you to take, to commit to slowing down and to listen to his voice. Now, how do we do this today? In, in this text, God speaks in a dream, and he still does that today, although he's never done that for me, at least not that I've heard, right? Not that I've paid attention to. Sometimes God speaks still today audibly. He often speaks through other people. But for most of us, most of the time, and this is certainly true for me, the way God speaks is through the Bible. It's through the Bible. And so we need to learn not just to read it, although we need to regularly do that too, but to really and regularly listen to the scripture, to open these pages expecting God to speak, and then to listen. If I'm honest, this is the step I think I personally need to take in response to this text. I think it's the, the right next step for me, right? Now, I'm paid to read the Bible and unpack it. I was paid this week to open to Matthew 2 and to listen to it for us. And well, as I did that this week, as I wrestled with this text, in other words, as I did my job... I became convicted and convinced that I need to pay special attention to the fourth step 
towards God modeled by the Magi. I need to slow down. I need to slow down. I need to spend more time in silence. I need to listen for the voice of God when I read the Bible. I need to ask him to speak and to give me ears to hear, not because it's my job, but because God wants me to know him and he wants to know me. Maybe that's true for you too. Lastly, the Magi obey. The Magi obey. Obedience isn't exactly a popular word these days. We want to do our own thing on our own terms. We want to seek our own truth. And we certainly don't want to do as anyone else tells us. The Magi, they don't just listen. They also obey. They do what God says, even though it might upset the vicious local oligarch, Herod. Perhaps this is the step God is asking you to take towards him today. To obey, even when it's hard or doesn't make sense or is countercultural. To obey in the big things, but also in the little things, the, the character things, the things when no one else is looking, the day-to-day things. Perhaps you're already aware of something he's asked you to do or stop doing. Right now, it's running in the back of your head. It's right there, kind of nagging. Maybe your heart's speeding up a little bit because God might be speaking to you. Friends, today is the day to take that step of faith in obedience to him. Not just to listen, but to obey. Might be hard or uncomfortable or costly, but friends, it is always always better to obey God than to ignore him or disobey him. Always. Now, if there's one thing this story makes clear, it's that God wants even those farthest from him, and perhaps even especially those farthest from him, to know him. And he invites each and every one of us into a journey towards him. And in that, we have a decision. We can move away from him or remain rather indifferent to him like King Herod and the crowds in Jerusalem. Or we can take steps towards him in faith as the Magi did, one step at a time towards Jesus. Seek him, worship him, give, listen, obey. It's tempting in the new year to start a whole bunch of unrealistic goals. I've certainly been guilty of that in the past. It's equally tempting just to manage our expectations and set no goals. Just keep treading water. What if this week, today, this morning even, you committed to just taking one step of faith towards God? Seeking or worshiping, giving, listening, obeying, just one step towards him, no matter how near or far off he seems right now to you today. This new year, let's be a people who journey towards Jesus together, one step towards him at a time, seeking, worshiping, giving, listening, and obeying. Will you stand and pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for this text that still speaks to us today.
And I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. And that you would give us courage to respond. I pray now, God, that you would send your Holy Spirit to encourage us and embolden us to take the right step of faith that you've called us to take this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.